97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Well, that didn't go so well yesterday. A tie for the Eagles and the Bengals. 23-23. to That's how we start today. 23-23, a tie. Eagles-Bengals 0-2-1. Half a game out of first place. Phillies eliminated from the playoffs. It was that kind of weekend, my friends. This is the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. Mike Gill, Hunter Brody, Josh Henning producing today's show. You out there? What is going on? Well, I don't know where we even begin because there's so many problems right now that I think you can certainly put your hand in a hat, pull them out, and somebody out there would say, that's the biggest problem, that's the biggest problem, that's the biggest problem. Got to start with the quarterback, though. I don't think there's any place else to start. That I'm not an irrational guy. For people who have listened to the show over the years, I'm not an irrational guy. He's getting me there, though. Like I'm, a, I'm getting close to becoming the irrational guy that says you got to sit them, you got to pull them, you got to just let them watch from the sideline. I'm getting eerily close, and I've never felt that way. Like as the I'm not a, a, a knee jerk guy, and it's not going to happen. Doug Peterson confirmed that today. He's not thinking about pulling Carson Wentz, but I, I mean, I'll tell you again. I did, and I texted you yesterday. Last week, I didn't have a big problem with uh, Peterson. I didn't love his game plan yesterday, but again, a simple game plan and a simple pitch and catch, they win that game. You don't need a flashy game plan to beat the freaking Bengals. That is true, yes. And and with Doug Peterson, like you mentioned it. You can pick something out of a hat, whether it's Jason Peters, Doug Peterson, Carson Wentz, the injuries, Deshaun Jackson, Dallas Goddard not being there, the defense allowing plays to happen. Like You can pick any sort of route that you want to go and yes they all essentially underperformed but with the quarterback there was one specific play where I just felt something in my stomach drop completely and it was the third and ten to Miles Sanders down the left sideline when I saw that play happened there was a different feel that I haven't had yet for Carson Wentz and it killed me inside that missed pass right there that crushed me I felt so like woozy in my stomach and I never really felt to that degree yet with Wentz, so I feel that's the sign to start questioning more than I ever have before, let's say. There's no question that there's a big problem going on. Now, there was something that Sal Pal said on Friday, and you almost want to kind of like brush it off because it sounds like it's um, a little irrational, to be honest with you, to, to make such a wild claim. But on Sal Pal Friday, if you remember, Sal Pal Antonio joined us on the Friday show and he said something that was like, huh, that is a scary proposition. And I don't know if the people out there remember what Sal said, but he kind of referenced um, Carson Wentz in this fashion, and it was kind of an eye-opening thing when you watch the game on Sunday. Take a listen. I just think he has a Chuck Knobloch situation going. I think he's got, he's, a, he's afraid to pull the trigger. He's got a hairy tr- a trigger finger right He's got the Chuck Knobloch situation going on. And you're thinking, for people out there who have no idea what that even means, there was a guy, Chuck Knobloch, who played. He was an all-star player for the Twins and the Yankees. And all of a sudden, he just forgot how to throw the ball. He couldn't throw the ball from second base to first base. He basically retired. Couldn't play anymore. That drive where they're down in the red zone. I mean, you got Deshaun Jackson 
wide open, and Wentz just refused to throw the ball all day. He looked timid throwing the ball. You could almost see the poor guy having battles with himself inside of his own head. As I felt bad. every time they snapped in the ball, I almost felt bad for the guy. Like I felt like when he said Chuck Knobloch, watching that game yesterday, Broads, I just kept hearing that comment from Sal Pal ringing around my head. Chuck Knobloch's. Chuck Nabla, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. This guy, he's lost it. He's completely lost it. The the pass that he tried to force to Deshaun Jackson, even though it got tipped at the line of scrimmage, there were three defenders near him. And, of course, the one guy who picked it off was Logan Wilson, who was the conversational, maybe a potential draft pick for the Eagles at the linebacker position. That was horrendous. And then the, That was a hell of a play by the reader kid, though. Oh, definitely. I mean, I said, I tweeted it out. That was a hell of a play for him to get his hand. Like, the way he sideways got his hand. Now, I said, by the way, I had to clarify that. That by no way was I given Wentz a pass. I was just giving the defensive tackle some mad props for getting his hand on that ball because it probably was going to be picked anyway. Absolutely. And then the one to Zach Ertz is just horrendous. How do you make Terrible. that play? Middle of the field, if you're trying to go back shoulder, you throw it that far away from the sideline, you're going middle of the field? It was a, just a terrible throw, and when, you can't make that play. When he throws the ball, Broads, he's releasing the ball with no confidence at all. He's releasing the ball with no expectation of where it's going to end up. It's like a pitcher who's absolutely lost the strike zone and he just has no command. That's Wentz right now. He has no It's Vince Velasquez. He's got all the tools, but he has no idea how to pitch. Right now, Wentz has all the tools. He just has no idea what to do with them. I feel bad for him. He looks he looks lost out there. He looks lost, which in turn makes him look scared. And that Sal Pal bite just keeps going through my head. I can't get rid of it. The Chuck Knobloch thing. And I'm thinking, you know, you drafted this guy number two overall. It looks like he was going to be something. He gets hurt. They win a Super Bowl without him. He's going through all this stuff. And now he's just completely crumbling and falling apart before your very eyes. And it doesn't help that the Bears stick Nick Foles into the game yesterday. And he brings them from three touchdowns back to win that game on the same day that your guy's crumbling. I, I feel bad for the guy. I kind of do. And I got to say, not only do I feel bad for him, I also am acknowledging he's the biggest problem they have right now. Now, the play at the end of the game, I mean, this thing can, can be dissected 10 different ways. What do they do? I mean, Matt Pryor goes off sides. It's just absolutely, I mean, it's a cuttable offense. No doubt about it. I was thinking the same thing. If I was the head coach, he, uh, maybe this is me just being in the heat of the moment, but no. I was thinking he's never playing again. No, I mean, they've had enough problems trying to get him on the field like he was going to play left guard. No, all of a sudden he wasn't good enough to play, or right guard, he wasn't good enough. He got he gets uh, surpassed by Herbig. Now, I get it. They have so many injuries, but you almost have to prove a point that the undisciplined nature of this team is costing us, and that play there potentially cost us the game. Now, here's the problem. I know what many people are probably thinking out there. Who cares if they win that game? They're not any good anyway. Fine, I can take that argument right now. But we also felt that way after the Dolphins game. You can turn things around. You can put things back together. Here's the problem I have with that notion. The problems last year were not quarterback-related. Now they are. That's why I feel a little different about what I'm saying here. That being said, now Doug has gone on record today saying, in hindsight, he would have gone for it on 4th and 12th. I actually think I would have kicked it on 4th and 12th rather than go for it. I think I would have kicked it. I don't know. I would have done anything but punt at the ball. Here's the thing, though, and I can't believe Doug came out today and actually admitted that I was I would have gone for it in retrospect because in reality, and I know people don't want to hear the reality, the tie actually helps you. 
it helps you more than a loss. It's essentially a win. They've got into the playoffs in the past, ironically, when they tied the Bengals because of a tie. The tie typically ends up helping you. So if Doug was actually holding to his guns, he says, look, we tie this game and we get our stuff together, that tie can end up helping us out down the road. I mean, if they go 9-6-1 and one, and the Cowboys go 9-7, and seven, they're getting in. But I don't see it getting to that point. I'm just giving you the mindset of why you would punt it there as opposed to go for it because the tie typically works out in your favor. When we talk about Doug Peterson, we give him the praise for keeping the locker room together when things are going wrong. People believe in him. So you are totally right when you say, like, it doesn't look pretty. It doesn't sound right. It feels awkward to say, but you are right. The tie actually does help you. You just never want to see it go down the way that it did. But when you send a message to your team that I'm not going to give you a chance to win at the end, I think that's what's what's eating Doug Peterson alive more so than the tie itself. It's the message being sent to his team, and that's what he does. He brings the team together, and that's a message that would hurt what he's so good at doing. So not only does he not trust in his offense to get the first down or his field goal kicker to kick it, whatever way you go down, you also well, it's hard to, your, it's hard to say I don't trust my field goal kicker the for a 64 yarder. yarder. Very true, very true. But even the other side of it though, if they don't make it, Joe Burrow has the ball. Is he also making a statement, I don't trust you, Jim Schwartz, I don't trust you, defensive players to make a stop on Joe Burrow a rookie? That's two points. Does he not trust his quarterback, which he's obviously saying to give him the ball on fourth down and 12? And he's also telling his defense, I don't trust you with 19 seconds left to get the stop we need. Now, it's not going to be 19 seconds. It's 19 seconds. The kick goes up. However long the kick's in the air, let's take another three to four seconds. So now you're down to like 16 No timeouts either. And they have no timeouts. So essentially, they have to get a play, complete the pass, and set up to get a field goal within about 16 to 14 to 16 seconds. That's asking a lot. It could happen. Not saying it, it, it can't. And you're asking their kicker to potentially hit a bomb. So you're now telling the defense, we don't think you can get the stop. And you're telling your offense, I don't think you can get us a first down. I think I saw that their kicker only has one field goal over 51 yards in his entire career. So throw that into effect as well. It's just the fact that he didn't give his team a chance to win at the end. And I think that is what's crushing the most, considering this is Doug Peterson. That's his MO. I want to be aggressive. I want to give my team that chance. He went against everything he believes in. He did. I mean, and I think that, that the, again, I, I, thought, I was surprised he came out today and said that I probably should have gone for it. I thought maybe his answer would be, look, the tie has helped teams out in the past, including us. Did you hear him after the game, though? He looked funky. He looked weird. He looked awkward explaining his rationale. And it was almost as if he was oh, already questioning himself right after the game. Which, look, I, I honestly give him some credit for doing that to come up this morning and be like, look, I made the mistake. Because mm -hmm. that's what I would want to hear. Yeah, because it's, it's pretty obvious that you got to give your team a fighter's chance. Yeah, he said the decision there was one of two things. You can either attempt it on fourth down and try to go for it. We tried to go for the field goal, the game winner. That was the thing. We were going to go for the game winner. The kick felt comfortable with Jake. Had the win. The false start backed us up. So we said, let's punt the football here. So essentially at that point, you're on the spot. you got to, you know, it's fourth down. You're, you're all right, let's go punt it. Because, I, But the problem is there, he's telling himself in his head, I can't give them the ball at midfield. I just can't do it. So I'm going to punt it and take the tie. Now, the rationale behind the tie makes sense. Hey, the tie can help us out. 
The tie's a win, essentially. Like, in most cases, if you have a tie on your ledger, the tie ends up helping you out because you don't end up with the loss in the loss column. So if you're looking at this division as a stinkeroni, nine and six and one, eight wins, you know, eight, seven and one, that, that one tie might be the difference. Now, here's the problem. I don't think Dallas, by the way, uh, statistically speaking, Dallas is the easiest schedule left in the NFL. Philadelphia has the most difficult schedule left in the NFL. I don't think it's going to come to that. I really, I don't. But I, I can understand the rationale if that's what he said. Look, hey, ties have helped teams out in the past. We felt that getting the tie was, I know it sucks. Optically, it sucks. But it's better than taking the loss. Now, the way you're explaining it, to me, it makes a ton of sense. And I definitely agree with your mindset. But if he felt that way, I feel like he would have went down that road. So him not saying that at all and him literally waking up and going, I made the mistake, that tells me that he doesn't even believe that way because I feel he would go up there and say that and defend himself. So he's not thinking that way, which even changes the conversation back more towards him going against what we know him for. And it's funny because the last time they tied, it was that game against the Bengals. It was 13-13. to They had lost to the Giants the week before, ugly. They tie the Bengals to go to 5-4-1. And, and the next week, they lose to the Ravens 36-7. to They're 5-5-1. Five, five that was the week they benched Donovan McNabb. They played Kevin Cobb in the second half of that game, and they got destroyed for it. And Cobb was terrible in the game. They had lost two and tied one, and the season was over. They were 5-5-1. Five, five they were getting killed. The season's over. They won three games in a row. And then they lost to Washington to go to 8-6-1. and one. They played Dallas on the final Sunday of the season. They whipped Dallas 44-6. They needed some help to get in. That was the game that Gruden was with Tampa. He lost at home against Oakland, who was terrible that year. They traveled across the country. They beat the Buccaneers. The Eagles beat the Cowboys, and the Buccaneers lost. It was Gruden's last game. And the Eagles ended up getting in at nine six and one, and Dallas was nine and seven. The one was the reason that they ended up getting in because Dallas had a better division record than Philadelphia did, but they had the one extra loss. So if he explained it in such a way, the problem is he doesn't feel com- confident enough that his team can make it a race and that that one tie is going to help out. So I get people. The tie just feels optically it's awful. Optically, the the way they decided to tie, it's awful. I understand if you tie because you went for it and you just ended up tying. They elected to tie. That's the problem. You've now elected to tell your team, I don't have confidence in you. If you just tied the game because you went for it, that's a different feel of the tie, even though it's still a tie. You, You know, nobody likes a tie. It also just feels with this team, and look, at the time of the the Donovan McNabb squad that you're talking about, you probably felt the same way. But when you look at this team, there there's just so many issues. Well, and back then, the different, well, you did bench McNabb in that game, and it was starting to feel like McNabb was kind of losing it, and then they drafted Cobb in the second round, how apropos, right? But you didn't feel that that team was 5-5 five and five because McNabb had lost it. That team, I don't remember, like, if, you know, now this team has a lot of injury problems. Goddard's going to miss a couple of weeks here. Jackson's being evaluated today. He's, he, he barely played last They said he's optimistic for San Francisco. I, I think they're giving you crap. I really do. Well, I mean, listen, you can't rely on Jackson. 
you can't rely on. And isn't that a flawed mindset, though, from... I love that you brought that up. So, Howie Roseman, I know that he gets ripped apart for these draft picks and all that, but the philosophy of, let's rely on it... We need speed, right? That's what they said. We need speed, we need speed. Now you're going to rely on this older guy. Like, this team is just filled with, like, older players, and you're seeing that be an issue. You're going to rely on Deshaun Jackson, who can't play 16 games in his in, in a season? Well, they I mean, told you problem. that they can't rely on him because they limited his snap counts in the first game. The second game he couldn't get, or the third game, um, he couldn't get through what? How many snaps did he play yesterday? 31 snaps, I think, is what he ended up playing. None of them in the second half. So it looks like he's very questionable to play this week, too. You're out, Goddard. Maddox is out on the defensive side of the ball. Um, yeah, so the injuries point, are continuing to pile up again for this team. At one point on your outside corners, you had Trevor Williams, who was cut and released twice from this team, and Roby Coleman playing outside corner when Darius Slay left for a couple snaps and Avante Maddox left. That's what That's what was playing outside corner at one point. Oh, there was a time, right, when Slay, and it looked like Slay had broke his arm. It looked like you were going to lose him for a while. I don't know how he ended up uh, coming back because his arm was, like, dangling there, it looked like anyway. But you had him and Maddox out, so you had my cousin texting me. He's like, who the hell is this guy, Epps? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, he's actually been around for a little But Epps was getting He made a play. Yeah, he did. Um, Look, I, I want to bring this up to you real quick. Miles Sanders had 18 carries. And after the first quarter, the first quarter, like, you saw establishing the run. He was getting yards. Then they went three and out, three and out. And I'm thinking, huh, they're going three and out. And they're not running the ball at all. I mean, he did lose it a little bit. He, but the offensive line play, Jason Peters getting waxed. Yeah, he was it, bad. It's not like he had much help with the offensive line. But they, you would think knowing going into this game, you had an advantage when it came to running the ball against a team that isn't really good at stopping the run. And he got away from it again. And it's something that's a bit of a common theme with Dougie. Now, he did get away from it, and I think that Sanders at one point was averaging almost eight yards a carry. Yep, yep, seven-ish. I remember being over seven at yep, one point. Yep, uh, I thought he got away from that too much. I think he put too much in. I think he tr – it's hard to say he trusted Wentz, and then at the end of the game didn't trust him. But I thought he put too much in trust into to Wentz yesterday. He didn't need this flashy game plan yesterday. He could have been very vanilla and very simple, much like he was at the four games stretch last year. You had a situation where you had a defense that was not very good, and all you had to do is keep it very basic and vanilla. The problem was the quarterback couldn't pitch and catch again. And there was a lot of times, too, when you were on Burnett and some of these other players, they were not getting separation at all. Now, I'm not, see, I, I hate when I go down that road because then people think I'm giving Carson Wentz a free pass. That's not the case. Carson Wentz was awful. He was not good enough. He missed a lot of throws. But with that being said, it can also be true that when you have a lack of weapons, sometimes the separation isn't there, and that doesn't help at all. Yeah, 4.8 yards per attempt yesterday, uh, for completion yesterday. Not very good. Sanders, 18 for 95, 5.3. Probably could have stuck with that a little bit more. Look, Ward had eight catches. It was the only guy yesterday that he trusted all. The problem with Ward is there's no stretch. Everything's underneath. I mean, I like Ward. He's a guy that you can have on the field, put him out there, have a role for him. But he is what he is. He's an underneath guy. He's got nothing after the catch. He catches the ball, and that's great. So he's got nothing over the top. He doesn't trust anybody else. He doesn't trust... Um, High Tower a lick. He doesn't trust um, uh, Ortega. Whiteside gets no targets at all. He's unplayable, Gil. He's unplayable. Yeah, you know, like you can talk about missing a pick. Like for example, let's go down the road of Derek Barnett, right? Because I think this is perfect. Derek Barnett was not a first round talent. We noticed that he's not what you played well yesterday. Him to be. He did. He did. 
But my point of bringing him up is he's playable, but you just reach for him. You know, like he's a playable player in the NFL, but you just reach for him. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside can't play. He can't play. And there's a big difference between, you know, overvaluing someone and taking them too high, but they're still average in the league, or they can still give you something. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside can't give you a lick. Not yet. And it doesn't help that you're watching the league all over the place. Metcalf, big day. Jefferson had one, but he, he sucked the first two he games. He did. No, Jefferson had a big day yesterday. Ayuk had a big day yesterday. He was on my bench in fantasy, although I had Jefferson in my lineup. Oh, there you go. Yep. Uh, maybe that makes up for your uh, uh, Robinson. Is that how you failed yeah. to play on Thursday? I didn't play Robinson. I played Sanders. <sighs> Jacobs. What am I going to do? Jefferson, I did put my lineup, though. The funny part, though, I was trying to find anybody to take to get him out because he had done nothing the first two weeks. It's funny gonna, how that works, huh? I was going to play Ayuk ahead of him. <laughs> no, I played Allen Robinson. Nick Foles came in and made Robinson all of a sudden the greatest receiver of all time. All right, uh, Doug Peterson spoke today. We'll have the presser coming up on the other side. Wait till you hear some of the things. He was kind of grilled a little bit today. He, he did take some questions today. Backrack is the only newer recovery robots in South Jersey. Know your rights to access the most advanced rehab available today. Visit Backerack.org for more information. We'll have the Peterson presser on the other side. We'll react to that. Grayson's grades. And don't forget, 255 today, Sports Bash Cash. I have another code word. We've been giving them out all morning. 955, 1055, 1155, 12 On 97.3 ESPN FM. Hi, Micah Broads on a Monday after. Sports talk with Broads. Any reaction yesterday? Yes. <laughs> from from myself? Yeah. Yeah, the problem is cursing. Yeah? Yeah, it hit a different level last night. So You, you threw out a couple of FX expletives? Yeah, so I didn't post it to the website yet because, uh, you know, I you wanted gotta, to talk you to you. It up. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about it first. <laughs> you know, it was one of those. Look, sometimes well, it happens. I normally stay away from it, but the raw reaction came out. Anytime hotline? Yeah. Buzzing? Buzzing. All right, we'll play those calls coming up later. You can get involved, too. 609-403-0973. A lot of text. By the way, Terry from Galloway. Says, please don't act like a tie was great. Come on, man. It was an embarrassment. Disgusting, pathetic. I, I said that. I said, optically, it was awful. People hear what they want to hear. I get it. That's the way of the world. The tie is not great. It's optically awful. But if you're peeling it back and trying to be rational, and again, people are irrational. I'm just saying if you're being rational, the tie typically helps teams out more than it doesn't. But if you continue to listen, we said, I don't think you're going to be in a situation where your 9-6-1 is going to be better than their 9-7. I just don't see that happening. So in retrospect, no, the tie is not going to help you out. But most times the tie ends up helping the team that has the tie over, you know, the team like 9 and 7, 9 6 and 1 beats 9 and 7. Right. And you know it's telling though with this team when you understand and realize where the division is, yet that's not even in play in conversation just because it's that much of a nightmare as an overall team. All right, let's get to Doug Peterson's presser from today. Hear what uh, he had to say following the Eagles tie against the Bengals. It's brought to you by GMS Law, make the right call. Four convenient locations to serve you. Visit them online at gmslaw.com. The Peterson Presser will react to that coming up right after this on the Sports Bass Live on 97.3 ESPN. Here is Doug P. Afternoon, Coach. Afternoon. We'll started with Zach Berman and then Jamie Apodi. Hey, good afternoon, Doug. I'll get the injury questions out of the way now. Uh, Dallas Goddard, Avante Maddox, Deshaun Jackson, and Jason Peters. What are the status of those four? 
Um, yeah, in the matter of uh, Dallas Goddard, um, it appears, you know, it's a lower body. Uh, appears that he's going to miss some time. Um, you know, just don't have a timetable yet, but he is, he is going to miss some time uh, here with us. Um, Avante Maddox, uh, another one lower body. Um, probably also going to maybe miss, miss some time, you know, here with us uh, as well. Um, Jason Peters, you, you mentioned Jason Peters, correct? Yeah, Jason Peters will be will be okay. He he came away. It was just, you know, when you're playing 90 plus snaps and as humid as it was, it was just some fatigue that set in late in the game. And but he he's going to be fine. Um, who was the fourth one you mentioned? And Deshaun Jackson. Oh, Deshaun. Yeah, Deshaun's going to be a little more day to day. Again, the lower body day to day. Optimistic uh, for uh, for the game this week. Thank you. Go ahead, Jamie, and then Nick Fierro. Hey, Coach, on the radio this morning, you kind of talked about the decision to punt, and uh, I know you've looked at the film now, and have you changed your mind a little bit? I mean, I, you can't go back in time, obviously, but hindsight being twenty twenty, do you think you maybe would have made a different decision there and tried to win the game? Um, you know, thinking about it, fourth and seven, um, 19 seconds on the clock. That, to me, looking at the decision, um, there, there's, there's a couple of things. You know, yeah, okay, you go for it, right? 19 seconds, um, you got a chance for, I mean, who knows what, what, what could happen? A big play, you know, DPI. Um, you know, we didn't have any timeout, so if the ball were completed inbounds or whatever, it would be hard to hustle up there and kick the field goal. Uh, if there were, say, five, six, seven seconds left on the clock, the decision to go for it would be a little bit easier, I, I think, to make in that, in that situation. Felt comfortable uh, with, uh, with Jake kicking the 58-yarder, obviously, uh, from the 41-yard line. That's what we talked about prior to, you know, going into overtime. Um, you know, normally for Jake, um, the 35-yard line is typically his kick line, but we know that we get in these situations like this. We know we can stretch that out to the 40. He's got all the leg to do that, so we felt comfortable, you know, um, there. So, you know, either way you slice it, uh, my decision, um, looking back, I probably would have, were elected to maybe maybe go for it in that situation and, and try, you know, try a ball down the field. Nick and then Tim. Hi, Doug. Um, with Deshaun gone out of the lineup now for a while, and and also Dallas Goddard, they were your two top receivers coming into the game yesterday. What what's the challenge going to be like trying to get your offense to work without them? Uh, and also, why didn't you go to JJ very much uh, yesterday? So the reason we didn't go to JJ. Um, he actually kind of came up before the game with a with a with another lower body uh, uh, injury uh, in pregame, and, and so we had to limit his his snaps during the game. Um, he, he'll be fine though. He, he's he's day to day. We should we should get him hopefully um, ready to go. But but he's another one that's um, you know was limited yesterday a little bit that way. You know the thing the thing that we look at now moving forward obviously. Um, you know we're gonna have to find find creative and unique ways to, to use all our all our players on offense. You know the tight ends, the runners, obviously. You know uh, with with Carson, um, and and you know we've we've done this before. Uh, we did it at the end of the season last year. You know we won the fourth straight to, to get us into the postseason, and and uh, it appears we're gonna have to do that again. Tim and then Dave. Doug, what's your uh, your self analysis through three games? Is uh, you finding anything that you're straying away from that you'd like to get back to? 
Well, the, the glaring thing for me is, as the coach is, you know, um, we're not winning the turnover ratio. We're obviously giving the ball uh, away more than we're taking it away. You know, uh, the penalties uh, yesterday were were way too many. 11 penalties yesterday for almost 100 yards. Um, I thought we ran the ball effectively, you know, for, you know, the amount of times that we ran it. Miles um, did a nice job there in the backs. You know, and, 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 and quite frankly, we, we've got to find um, we got to find ways now to to, you know, utilize the guys we have, as we talked about earlier, creative ways to get to get these guys open. And and whether we do that by formations, we do that by motions, um, you know, and, and we got to continue to coach our young players. We got to get them, you know, you know, ready to go. And, and they're the ones that are going to be playing, um, you know, on the perimeter for us. So. You know, right now we're we're just we're just not we're not a very good we're not a very good football team. We're as I said after the game, we're we're not very smart. You know, we're we're making we're shooting ourselves in the foot. We're losing, um, or we're leaving touchdowns on the field offensively, and we're just we're just not executing. And and those are things that we're going to really look hard at this week. And and if we got to simplify, we'll simplify. If we've got to go up tempo, we'll go up tempo. You know, things that have been successful in the past. Dave, and then Jeff. Hey, Doug, how would you assess Jason Peters' play yesterday before he left the game? I thought Jason was doing some some nice things. There was there was a couple times he he got edged a little bit. Um, you know, I thought I thought overall he played uh, played pretty well. Um, you know, and, and even in the run game, um, you know, he still he still plays plays at a high level, um, and and felt uh, felt good about uh, you know about his performance. Uh, it wasn't perfect. But um, you know, uh, he 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 definitely was, uh, um, you know, in the right spots and doing doing the right things for us. Jeff and then Ruben, uh, Doug, you referenced all the injuries that you guys have had and, and related it to the two previous years when you guys were able to cover, overcome them. Uh, at this point, does, uh, is it no longer a coincidence that you guys are among the most injured teams in the NFL over the last three years? And why do you think that is? Well, I think this is a this is a physical game. I think these guys, you know, put their bodies at uh, at risk every week. I, I think in the in the case of Dallas Goddard, when and, and Avante Maddox, the way they were tackled, the way they're landed upon, you know, it just it, those those things happen, um, you know, and and it's unfortunate, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be a part of our game, um, and you know, uh, nobody said this uh, this business would be easy. No one said coaching would be easy, and playing would be easy, and. You know, we signed up for it, and, and we're going we're gonna to coach our players and coach the ones that are that are healthy and ready to go, and and uh, you know prepare for this week. Ruben, and then Les. Hey, Doug. Um, how did Alshon come out of those practices Thursday and Friday? And uh, if he has a good week this week, do you think there's a chance you might have him on Sunday? Yeah, he, he came out of last week good. Uh, we're going to ramp him up a little bit more this week, give him a little bit more week, and uh, we'll see where he's at at the end of the week. Less and then Kristen. Hi, Doug. Uh, not to belabor this, but your quarterback. Uh, we've been <laughs> talking about this for three weeks now. Uh, you say you don't want him to take too much on his shoulders to feel like he has to win the game himself. But what's going on? He's still at the very bottom. Every every week is a 60-something passer rating. Uh, you're seeing picks that he's never thrown before. Uh, how do you fix this? You know, there's there's a couple things. I, I think one of the ways that we we do that and and, and really to kind of 
maybe unclutter his mind some is is to is to play fast, play up tempo, where, where where players don't have to think, right? They just react, and you know that that has been a been a recipe for us over the years, and and it's something that we may have to lean on a little bit more. Um, you know, we'll take a look at the game plans and make sure there's not a lot of you know maybe moving parts or 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 things that you know have for, from a quarterback's perspective that he's got to get us in and out of, right? Just do more of the run it play variety, right? Where, where, where you don't have to think about a lot of things and, and just somehow help him to free up his, free up his mind and, and let him, let him play and, you know, um, and make the, make the plays that we know he's capable of making and, um, you know, uh, keep, keep coaching him and, 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 and keep coaching all the guys and, and, uh, you know, put it, put, put together a, a game plan this week to, uh, to go play San Francisco. Would you think you'd be in that position in year five with Carson? I think you're always learning. I think you're always growing. I don't think anybody gets to the point where they've, you know, uh, got things completely mastered, so to speak. Um, even some of the top quarterbacks would would say that, and they're they're constantly, I think, getting better. And 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 if you're not striving to get better, I think you're 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 going the other way. And 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 we gotta we gotta make sure that we're going in the right direction. Thank you. Go ahead, Kristen, and then Bo. Hey, Doug. To that point about Carson. It- I want to talk about two specific runs we saw from him, that that 24-yard run on on third down and then that seven-yard run for a touchdown. Does that speak to maybe the options not being there on offense right now? And you talk about trying to get creative. You know, Wentz having to to do it himself because you're not seeing those availabilities from receivers. Well, that's that's just the the, the point. You know, I I don't want to feel like Carson has to put the weight on his shoulders, right, and, and carry the entire football team. We've got to do a better job you know, as a whole unit, right? Everybody's got to do their particular job uh, on specific plays. One of the things probably that we can rely on maybe a little bit more with Carson is his ability to escape the pocket. Those those big plays yesterday came on on just that, his, his ability to extend plays. And, you know, um, we've encouraged him to do that. It, it just so happened yesterday. And, and you really you saw it even in the Rams game the week before. You know he made a huge scramble up the middle for seven or eight yards for a first down, and being able to do that um, puts pressure on the defense, right? And and that's uh, one of the talents that he has. And and we're gonna we got to continue to find ways, whether it's by design or just by him, you know, being creative and extending plays to help to help the offense stay on the field. Bo and then Daniel. Hey Doug, uh, one last question on the the punt that the end of the game um, in, in looking back in the plays leading up to the field goal attempt, were you happy with uh, the aggressiveness of the play calls before uh, going, lining up for the field goal? Yeah, it was the uh, situations. Obviously they were, they were, they were pressuring us and, and I didn't want to keep Zach Ertz in the, in, in, in protection. I didn't necessarily want to keep miles and the, the guys in. And so, you know, we had to go to a little bit more of the shorter, the intermediate style uh, passing game just to get the ball out of Carson's hand in those situations. And then, um, we had a couple run run chances there that we just missed on a on a block and a block or two, and it would have would have put us uh, probably a little bit closer to our kick line. Thank you, Daniel, and then Chris Franklin. Hey, Doug. Uh, it looked like there was a little bit more, um, I guess, kind of chippiness out of the team uh, yesterday. There was the unnecessary roughness uh, after the punt. Uh, there are a couple times where guys were getting up and enjoying a little bit with the Bengals. Is that frustration? Was it something the Bengals were doing? What did you kind of see as, as the origin of that yesterday? 
I just think it's guys, you know, the players being players. Um, there's always, you know, chipping that goes on, and and uh, you know, when the, when there's obviously right now, when 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 there, you know, you don't have the crowd noise in the in the stadium, you can hear both sides talking and chipping back and forth, and um, you know, it was a hard fought game, and and obviously emotions run high, and, and we've got to do our part to to kind of you know um, keep our cool and, and level heads, but you know, uh, it's part of the game. Um, it's 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 unfortunate that we got the one penalty there on Corey, but you know he'll learn from it. But uh, it was just the way the game was going yesterday. Chris and then Ed. Hey Doug, when it came to that fourth and twelve play, was that more of an analytics based decision, or was it more of a feel thing? And then also, could you share who else was also involved with that decision? You're talking about after the false start. Yes. Well, again, I you know. It, I've already made this statement that I would have probably elected to um, go for it in that situation, um, you know, and, and so the, the decision there is not an analytical decision. There was, the fact was there was 19 seconds on the clock, and and now you're talking around you're talking around midfield. Now you're back at the 46-yard line, and, you know, um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a situation where, um, you know, you take the shot, and... Um, you know, I learned from it, and I'll move on. Take a couple more. We'll go to Ed and then Mike Kay. Uh, hey, Doug. Um, I know we've talked about how much you love play calling, and that's the favorite part of your job, really. But have you given any thought to maybe surrendering some of those issues or duties uh, with the team kind of needing a spark at this point? No, I haven't. I love doing it. Um, it's it's uh, it's the exciting part for me. You know, I get to see it, um, see the game you know, obviously differently and, and as a quarterback and see it kind of through their eyes and through the offense's eyes. And um, I, I haven't thought about that at all. Go ahead, Mike. Doug, you, you said you don't want Carson to feel like he has to put the burden of the offense on himself. Uh, Miles Sanders is having a really good first half, averaging like eight yards a carry, but he finished with only like 18 uh, carries overall. Why move away from the run in such a close game? Um. You know, it just it just so happened that um, you know, in Miles's case, you know, you go back the week before, and not to you know make excuses or or whatever, but um, there was a little fatigue that set in. Miles alluded to that. Um, you know, he he was he was battling through some things yesterday uh, during the game, and and we had to be cautious, you know, late in the game. So, um, you know, and there's times where you just you make the you make the decision to to maybe shift gears and go go a little different direction and and um, that's what we did yesterday. But but Miles, you know, moving forward, Miles is obviously a big part of what we do. And um, I actually thought he he not only ran the ball but but blocked well in pass protection as well. Just to clarify, it was fatigue and not an injury. Correct. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Coach. All right, there's Doug Peterson. Some interesting stuff. Miles Sanders, two weeks in a row, said fatigue uh, was a factor late in that game. I think that's an interesting little uh, quip late in that. Injuries at the front, no Goddard this week. uh, Said he'll miss some time. No Maddox this week. Sounds like he's going to miss some time. Jackson, they're hoping will play. And I thought there was – oh, Jason Peters. He said he was okay. Honestly, could Maialata be worse? I actually zoned in on Maialata. Yesterday, I mean, he didn't play all that much, but I thought he did okay. I mean, I thought Peters had a 
real tough day at the office. Like the worst I think I've ever seen him. Yeah, now he got asked about Peters. He said he thought that he played okay um, in the run game and obviously had a couple plays that he wishes he would have had back. But I've never seen Jason Peters just get flat bull rushed like that before. The audacity by him. See, if I'm Howie, if I'm the front office, I take a percentage out of his paycheck. Right? Yep. We say, you're getting paid right guard money for this week. Right. Hey, coming up in 10 minutes, I have a Sports Bash cash code word. It's worth up to $10,000. Make sure you have the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. You can download it now wherever you get your apps. You can enter every word on our website, 97.3ESPN.com, or through the free mobile app and win up to $10,000 of Sports Bash cash today at 2.55. We never stop talking Eagles and NFL. It's football. ESPN. All right, we got anytime hotline calls next hour. Scott Grayson's grades are coming up at three. The Checkos football at four. Observations from the loss on our website now, 97.3 ESPN. I said loss. It was a tie. It felt like a loss. What feels worse, losing to the Dolphins or tying the Bengals? I think it has to be tying the Bengals. I just feel last year that put the Eagles at, what, five and seven, if I remember correctly? You know, you have five wins under your belt. This team doesn't look like they can win a damn football game, you know? So over um, on Friday, we had the poll question. What would you rather have happen? Phillies make the playoffs and the Eagles lose to go to 0-3. Well, guess what? We messed it up because you didn't give Ty the option. Right. The other option was the Phillies don't make the playoffs, but the Eagles win. We didn't have three. They both screw up. Aaron Nola. What do you think about this report today, by the way? Bob Brookover, respected journalist from uh, the Inquirer says team source tells him the Phillies are not going to move on from Matt Clintac. This fan base will riot, I feel. Like, I think with the Phillies, they get blown under the radar so long, right? Because, well, the end of their season is normally the beginning of the Eagles football season. And, you know, by the by their collapse, it's different. Now, once you sign Bryce Harper, you get Zach Wheeler in, in the free agency. By the way. And, and JT, it's, it's Wheeler different. and Nola. Their last six starts, 0-6, oh, not good enough. Nola went three and two-thirds in a must-win game. Nola had a 6.60 ERA in his three starts. Wheeler was 4.05. They went 0-6 oh, combined. Wheeler went seven innings in that second-to-last game of the season, walked four four ERA, so or four earned runs, excuse me, during that time. Not good enough. Not good enough. But go, going back to the whole Clintac thing, now I feel there's more pressure on the Phillies than there has been over the last handful of years based off of getting Harper, getting um, Zach Wheeler, JT. Now the pressure is different, and I feel John Middleton's going to get it if he doesn't make that move. Well, I'll tell you what. Here's the problem. If they keep Clintac back, I think he's going to lose the faith of everybody. Right? Now you asked me before the show today, what about if they just got rid of McPhail? and say, Clintac's going to stay, but McPhail's going to go. I don't think that's the answer. Bro, no, I don't think so either, because nobody even knows what McPhail does. What does he do? How do you have that well, guy he's in this, that position? He's this guy that everybody wants the Sixers to hire, this president of basketball operations. We feel like when you have that guy, all of a sudden, all this... Th- no, not when that guy doesn't do anything. Right, well, that's the problem. He, he doesn't do anything. And think about this. They acquired them from the Orioles, right? And and uh, the Angels, they spent some time with the Angels, Matt Klintak. What the hell have they ever done? I mean, you pick these guys out of organizations that haven't succeeded. Mm-hmm. The Baltimore Orioles, they've stunk. 
you know, the Angels haven't been able to make the damn playoffs with even Mike Trout. And, and I know they weren't there for, you know, the last handful of seasons. But my point is, you pick up McPhail and Klentak from these organizations who haven't done a damn thing. I don't know, man. If he doesn't get let go, and I said today's a perfect day. Everybody's banging on the Eagles. Like, you have the... You can kind of hide under the radar here. Fire Clintac. You don't have to answer questions and just kind of get it over with. What are you waiting for? Do you think that there's a possibility that how much money is left on this extension with Clintac is going to be is going to hold him back? Might be. Come on, that's embarrassing. You're you're a billionaire. How are we doing the five? Not great. Hmm. Well, I asked you how many sacks for the Eagles D line. You only said three. They did way better than that. They had a good day. Yeah, Brandon Graham, especially Fletcher Cox, Sweat, Barnett, they got some action. Uh, over under 82 and a half yards for Miles Sanders. You said over, and he did. He did have the over. I wish he could have had a bunch more, though. He probably could have doubled that. Uh, 47 and a half yards. It was both Ertz and Goddard. They had the same on DraftKings on Friday. I let you get the option. You picked Ertz, and he did just that. He had 70 yards. Yeah, I knew Goddard was going to get hurt. You went on the under with Joe Burrow. 255 and a half. He definitely had the over. Eagles win. You said yes. No. No, they did not. That's a bummer. That is a bummer. You should have said tie. I didn't win or lose. Yeah. Well, guess what? It's a loss in my books. Here is the Sports Bash Cash code word for this hour. Enter it right now on our website, 973ESPN.com, or use the free mobile app. The code word is key. No, I'm sorry. I'm wrong. The code word is dog. D O G. D-O-G, dog. Enter the word dog on our website, 973ESPN.com, or use the free mobile app. That word could be worth up to $10,000. The more words you enter, the more money you can win. We'll have another Sports Bash Cash code word at 355 today. The word is dog. D-O-G, dog. Enter it now on our website, 973ESPN.com, and you could win up to $10,000.